Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cloud Wars Live, where we're talking about today's digital revolution and particularly the ramifications of that in the crazy world we live in today. Uh, over the past five or six months, as we all know, the world, as we understand it, has sort of been turned upside down. How we work, how we play, how we engage, how we communicate, how we shop, how we think about the future. And uh, our guest today is one of our recurring monthly guests, Wayne Saden. And Wayne is a former CDO, CTO, and CIO. He currently advises boards of directors and CEOs on the best ways to fuse digital and technology and business strategy together to be successful in this future. Wayne, welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. It's always a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Bob. It's always a pleasure to be here. Uh, especially in this new era, as you say, we're all working from home and it's an interesting uh, environment that we're all in, isn't it? Yeah. And Wayne, I guess if we're going to work from home, it's good to see that over your right shoulder there, you, you've got some of the comforts from home. You know, if I'm going to work from home, I might as well have a bottle of wine. I'm, I'm actually, when I work, my home office has been a darker area, but as we've done more stuff with video, I decided to literally set up a second. I've got two home offices, believe it or not. And this one is more of my video studio. Uh, right. So as we're doing video, I wanted the natural light and it happens to have the wine. So, oh, well. Okay. All right. Well, that's an impressive bottle there, Wayne, for sure. Um, so Wayne, you know, uh, just as a reminder for everybody, you know, your, your monthly uh, sort of series, your themes always focus on digital from your past experiences, your expertise, the work you do with clients. So Satan on digital. And it's interesting. It looks like today you've got things from a couple ends of the digital spectrum. One is how do uh, people can work uh, remotely or, you know, to connect digitally in an impressive way in this new environment. And then also some higher level thoughts about budgeting. So what's on your mind today and how did these things pop up? Well, the way things popped up was it's budget season for a lot of my clients and it's board meeting season for a lot of my clients. And so my clients are doing a lot more interaction now virtually. So whether they are sitting in their office, but now on video, which they weren't before, everybody would come to the office. So now even in a place where we're socially distancing and we have a few people sitting 30 feet apart in the boardroom, how do I have a meeting where 30 people are on the video? How do I have a meeting where instead of flying out to talk to the employees on the West Coast, now you want to run a meeting and you want to talk to those employees, 300 employees on the West Coast. Face it, we are not going back to business as usual in the near term. You've gone home and depending on what part of the country you're in, you're probably there for a while. So as we've started to work from home and work from a different office environment, um, which I've been doing for years. I've been on the road for eight years as a consultant. So over the years, I've amassed a whole bunch of toys that helped me work in, well, used to be airports. I remember, remember airports? Um, I could work in a Starbucks. I could work, remember Starbucks when you used to be able to sit there. Um, and so I built all the toy collections that served me. And when we all went home in March, I told one of my clients, go buy a bunch of these headsets and go buy a bunch of the cameras I'm going to show and send your executives home with them. But now that we realize we're gonna be doing this for a while and we're doing more and more and more with video, the popularity of Teams and Zoom and all these other tools has led us to become more of a video society because we can't be with each other. We're not shaking the hands and pressing the flesh and going for a drink. And so how do we build the environment where you as a board member or you as a C-suite member, when you're talking to an analyst, 
or you're talking to an investor or the media or to your employees. You don't look like the grainy image projected from what's known as the nose cam and the Dell laptops, the camera down at the bottom that looks up your nose in the terrible image with no good lighting and you look like something out of a science fiction movie. Yeah. If you are a CEO, if you're a CFO, a CIO, a board member, how do you conduct a video conference, whether it's one-to-one, -one, like we're doing, or to a large group, and look and sound your best? Because face it, a lot of what we do is about being able to be understood. That means audio. And a lot of how humans communicate is body language, which is good video. So I've started doing more and more with that. And I figured today I would bring some of that collection to show people. And this is not, I will say this, if you have an audiovisual department at work and they set up all your million dollar conference rooms, that's not what we're gonna talk about. What we're gonna talk about is this is what should be sitting on top of your monitor at home. This is something you should carry around when you travel, whether you're going to your, if you have a ranch or a beach house or a second home or a yacht, what kind of gear do you wanna put on that so that wherever you are, you can communicate with your far-flung team. Well, you know, uh, it's, this is, you know, in some ways, like, you know, the, a little bit of a gadget guy thing, but the way you just described it, it's quite strategic these days, right? Because as you said, you're talking to an analyst, you're talking to an investor, you're talking to the media, you could be talking to a customer or a prospect. And these days, right, where those people on the other end of the line are looking at you and, you know, we're thinking about how is this company getting through you know, this crazy time, are they going to be one of the ones that make it, you know, as we go into 2021, I think you're absolutely right. You don't want to sort of sit there looking like you're in a cave and, you know, <clears throat> some of this stuff is a mystery to you instead, but how do you optimize for the environment? And Wayne, I wanted to get your, your thought on something here. Uh, the CEO of ServiceNow, Bill McDermott, he recently referred to going back to the office. He said, the, the office is going to become a productivity tool. So do you use it when it's the right tool to apply? So from these devices you're going to show to the office's productivity tool, it's a whole new era for how we look at the uh, assets and solutions that are going to help us communicate remotely more effectively. And when you say that the office is a productivity tool, I, I agree. As a road warrior, I have many times, well, when you and I have had these conversations, if I've been on the road, I would go to one of those rent the office spaces and rent a conference room for $35 for an hour. There's a conference that you and I had early on where there's a map of Texas behind me. I have no idea where I'm sitting. It's some office building in Dallas and I needed a quiet room. It was 35 bucks at Wi-Fi and quiet. And so that was my productivity tool that day because Starbucks was just too noisy. And that's where my, my go-to solution was at the time. So we've got to be using the tools we have. One of my clients, we've taken a very large conference room, which normally would seat, say, 40 people. And we've equipped it with some different video and audio solutions, more of a Microsoft Teams rooms solution, rather than the old static video camera where you plugged in the wire. And now we might have five people in it. We're not going to put 50, but five can work very well in a room like that because they're all socially distanced. So sometimes it's imperative to get people in a room. Most times we don't need that if we have the right audio and video and collaboration tools. And so if you're a CEO or a board member, a lot of the stuff that your lower level employees have been doing for years, they've been collaborating on documents in Google Docs or in Microsoft Office. They're adept at OneDrive and SharePoint. 
uh, which you may not be exposed to. You're used to your board book on your iPad that the company sent you. So there are tools out there that you can use that you just may not have run across, hasn't been in your wheelhouse, that we can now apply. And I'm going to show you some of those tools and talk about some of the stuff I do with board members and CEOs, C-suites, to get them ready for our audio video collaboration world. And that sounds great. And uh, it'll be interesting as you show these things, uh, I'll be listening eagerly, you know, is this uh, for what's the price range here? So is this, so as you go through it, that'll be fun to see as well. Are these space age things that are uh, going to tie in with your second topic about, you know, budgeting, or is this something that's, you know, pretty easily accessible? This is almost everything I'm going to show you today. Um, I got from Best Buy or Amazon for under a couple of hundred bucks for, okay. I mean, there's about probably a thousand dollars worth of stuff sitting around me and there's two or three complete rigs. Okay. So for a typical executive, you send them home with 200 bucks worth of stuff. So I, I'm waving my arms and talking. Let me start by showing something. Sure. So I know you, this, this impressed everybody when I showed it earlier. <laughs> this is a, a tripod. Looks like a little stick figure man or woman, I guess. And it's got legs that stand up and then it comes up whatever height you want. And so this is made by a company called Joby. They make little tripods. They're owned by Manfredo. The, by the way, I should say, none of this stuff was given to me. Nobody knows I'm saying this. I just came up with it this morning. And so this is all stuff I went and bought on Amazon or from camera stores or from Best Buy. So this is not a paid endorsement. I want everybody to be assured, assured of that. It just would work for me. So this is a very small tripod that stands up about, oh, about three feet high. And so it's meant to be put on a desk or a table um, when you're working. It's not a floor tripod for a professional photographer. What I have mounted on this are two, two different kinds of objects. This is a video camera. This is a, a streaming camera that plugs into your laptop. So this particular one, it's called a Razer Keo. I travel with this because this has a ring light. When you turn the camera on, the light lights up. And what people don't recognize is you've gotta be well lit to be seen. The cameras, these little cameras, even the best streaming video camera is a lousy camera by the standards of the big professional cameras. So they need a lot of light in order to work. If you're in a dark room, if you're in a dark office, if you've got paneling like you've got, Bob, and you've got dark complexion, you can fade right into the woodwork. That term is not allegorical. You, people fade into the woodwork without good lighting, depending on what their skin tone is. So you've got to be lit so you stand out from the background. So what I've got, what I travel with is these two little lights. The company is called Lumi and they're called Lumi Cubes. And they're, I'm not gonna turn it on because it would completely wash out the video, but they are super bright LED battery powered lights. And so when I'm doing a video conference in a relatively dark space, I will use this camera alone if I'm traveling light and it clips onto the top of my laptop, or I will bring the whole rig and turn on these very bright lights. And then I've got the bright lights of the camera focused on me or focused up in the air or wherever they need to be to get the right shadows and light and make me look as good as possible considering how I look. But it's a way of communicating and getting good light wherever you are. And I will say that a lot of my executive clients have started buying these for their executives to take home and put on their home office desk. One client even solves a problem using a device like this. So you're in a boardroom and boardrooms typically have long tables and they're long narrow rooms. And in that boardroom, we're all sitting kind of facing each other, but oftentimes there's a big screen at one end. And they often put a video camera over that end. So look at the typical board meeting. Everybody is like this. 
Yeah. So I'm all turned sideways looking at the camera. And then how do I interact with the people in the room? Well, with Zoom, with Teams, especially Teams with the together mode, they call it, where you can see everybody sitting side by side. One of my CEO clients has told everybody to bring their camera in. They don't need lights, but the camera. And bring their laptop. And so they look directly into the camera in front of them. The people in the room can also see them. And everybody in the remote end of the board meeting or investor meeting is seeing each of them framed in a separate frame. It's not like seeing a group of people in a room and going, I wonder who's talking. So that actually was not my idea. That was a non-technical client executive. And that's become the norm for that particular client. Everybody, even in a simple, in a individual room can be on their own camera and you get a much better ensemble video look for the group. Also, you're not depending on a camera lighting up a whole room. And unless you have a very carefully designed room with the audio and the video, you sound like, like garbage. Yeah. So by having local cameras, um, you get a much better experience for people in the room and remotely. And I will when say that does, all of, sorry. So Wayne, does your, does your friend there back in days of old, when we used to travel by airplane, did you have to buy like a separate seat for this guy? <laughs> Actually, it fits nicely in a lot. When I unscrew this, it fits in literally a metal lunchbox. I travel with a lunchbox, and it makes everybody laugh. But but that's what this that's what this is. Now I'm going to do something. We we tested this before. Let's see if it works. I'm going to turn this camera on and show you my uh, home office rig, because I think it's important to see what you would use if you were an executive um, working at home. So this is what I'm pointing at now is my monitor. Obviously, you can see me pointing at me, pointing at me. On top of this monitor is a Logitech Brio camera. That is a, a 4K high resolution camera. And that's the standard for our, my, most of my clients. It's got the best video. It's got terrific audio in the microphone. It clips on the top of your monitor or screws into a tripod if you want. So that's the one we would use. This is less resolution, but it has the ring light. So it's very good for travel. Also, if you see on top of my monitor, I've got these screw thread things. These are literally suction cupped to the top of my monitor. And they allow me to take the Lumi cubes that I just showed you and screw them onto my monitor and point them at me. I don't need to set up the tripod then. So for kind of a fixed office environment, you can buy the, the Lumi cubes come with these little suction, tri, suction mounts, and then you can have a, a rig that sits in your office in your home. And again, one of my clients is using this quite extensively for analyst calls, for investor calls, even for board meetings. So the other thing I'll point out is I've got a speaker. This is a Dell monitor. They all make them. I've got a big speaker here. So what I've got when I'm, when I'm talking to you, I've got the headset on. We'll talk about headsets in a moment. But that is a speaker, a high-fidelity speaker. It's actually a speaker phone if I'm in Zoom or in, in Teams. It just sounds like a typical speaker phone, quite booby. So I've got a, a speaker here. I've got a microphone and speaker here, and I can turn on whatever combination I want. For me, the microphone and the camera and the speakerphone works for casual conversation. So when you put these things on your system or get your IT department to send you a speaker, I will just tell you these Lumi cubes are about 100 bucks a piece, so I've got two of them. This little Razer camera is about 100 bucks, give or take. The Logitech camera. It was about 170 bucks, but we're in a pandemic, so it's about 240 bucks now. <laughs> um, and then these, uh -huh. these mounts come with the Lumi cubes. So we're talking about a couple hundred bucks, and this Joby tripod is a 
100 bucks, 150 bucks, something like that. So if you're a CEO, a board member, C-suite, or somebody that just does this all day, these are not unreasonable things to own. I'm gonna switch back to the uh, Brio, the normal camera I use, and we'll talk about something else. So if you're going home, the other thing I say is get a good cell phone. I just ordered, I'm a Note guy, uh, Android, uh, Samsung Note guy, so my Note 20 Ultra 5G is on order. This is a Note 10 Plus. The phones have better screens, but more importantly, they have better audio as they get newer, and they have better bandwidth, better capability to connect you to the network around. So I don't have 5G in my home neighborhood yet, but I have 5G in one of my clients' neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. So if you're an executive, I know this is not the time to be buying $1,400 phones, I understand, but it's a business expense. It helps you do your job better. And the better phone you have, if you got a five-year-old phone, get a new phone. If you got a three-year-old phone, probably get a new phone. If you're an Apple person, they're coming out with new Apples, supposedly in September. The Android just came out. Um, the, the new Samsung came out, ships the 21st or something. And I really recommend a reasonably current phone because everything we're doing now on a computer, I can do on the phone. If you're using Zoom, if you're using Teams, executives may not realize this, but the day of dialing into the call, Give me the number and the code so I can dial in is over. Put Zoom on your phone, put Teams on your phone, put whatever WebEx on your phone and use the tools to connect. Because this way there's not 281-343-5942 has joined the call. You go through that yeah. nonsense. Let's get away from that era of, somebody said the open mic is the new reply all. Okay. So we've got to get a lot of etiquette changes in our world. Hey, Wayne, when uh, I think when you and I were coming of age, we used to hear things like uh, you'd talk to business people about, you know, business clothing and you'd say the right suit can't get you, you know, the certain job, but the wrong suit will keep you from getting it. And I think that's sort of the modern day parallel to what you're saying about the phones. It's not a luxury. It's not frivolous. You're right. I mean, this is how we come across to people through some of the devices we carry. Absolutely right. This is how I make my living by communicating well and, and by knowing how people can communicate well. So I'll say another thing. You're, you're working at home, let's say, and you put in your whatever your, your network is. You went to your Comcast or AT&T or whoever and got your home network. And probably you put it in when you moved into the house or it's five years old. And it's probably very slow by modern standards. At my house, I'm on AT&T. I've got a 75 megabit connection. And that was fine for watching TV. But now that I work from home all the time, it's really not fast enough. So another thing, I am upgrading. This is a Doxis 3.1 modem that you haven't even unboxed. I'm switching to Xfinity and buying the gigabit service. So I'm increasing the speed of my service by 12, 14 times for about the same money because it's 2020, not 2011 when I signed up for AT&T. So if you're an executive at home, ask your IT department or ask your local provider if you care to do that. What can I do to speed up my network? How much does it cost me to go from 50 meg or 30 meg to 150 meg or 300 meg? My opinion, if you're gonna be alone doing this, is you need a 100 meg service to get good in uninterrupted video, audio with multiple users on the screen. If you have kids at home and they're video gaming, 300 meg is the minimum. But in most of our neighborhoods, I can get wired gigabit for a hundred bucks a month on special. 
and maybe 150 bucks a month when I'm in regular price, once I come off the initial sale. Why wouldn't you do it if you're going to be doing what we're doing eight hours a day? Go for the best service you can because you'll look better. You'll sound better. It's not obvious, but these cameras and these mics are monitoring your network. So we're going to drop into a little techie talk here. You're a CEO. You got a camera. They told you it's a great camera. It's high data rate and 4K and all that. But if your network slows down, your camera gets lousier. Your audio gets compressed. And so all these negative things happen, all these stutter noises and the video blocks. So don't let that happen to you. And don't be a network engineer to fix it. Just get a better network. So call up your Xfinity or Comcast or whatever. And if you bought the right phone and you're in the right neighborhood, we're talking about IT budgeting, 5G is not quite here, but it's this close. If your neighborhood doesn't have 5G from one of the carriers, it will soon unless you're in the boonies. If you're in an urban area or suburban area in a lot of big cities, you're going to have 5G within the next 12 months. And what that means is the same performance you'll get off of a very good wired connection, you'll now be able to get off of your phone. So while the main use of 5G is not so we can have better video calls, it's one of the side effects. So if you've got a phone that can do 5G and your carrier has a 5G option, check it out or call your IT people and ask them if that fits with the plan your company has bought. Wayne, this has been great. Really, you know, the, uh, the tying of digital and business strategy together, these aren't toys, they're not gizmos or anything like that. They're things that help us do the essential part of our job here in, uh, here in 2020 as the, the new world comes along. So thank you for that, uh, you know, very revealing ideas about how to try to communicate more effectively in the environment that everybody's in. So you also you said, Wayne, it's, uh, it's budget season. That's right. And so a lot of my clients are starting their budget time. And so I got to thinking about what should we be doing? What should IT be budgeting for? And that's what got me to be thinking about these quote unquote toys. These are things we should be budgeting to send home for executives. But it also got me thinking about a topic I think about every time we budget IT. And that is what's the best way to govern IT spend? So typically what happens in a company is they set an IT spend as a percentage of revenue. So our industry, they go to Gartner or somebody and it says, your industry spends 1.7% average for IT. And so the, the smart CEO goes, well, if everybody spends 1.7, I'll spend 1.6, aren't I smart? <laughs> we'll talk about that in a moment. I'm not picking on CFOs, but that's just the natural, let's see if I can save a little bit of money. Um, or they might say, I'll spend 1.8. And the question becomes, why is being average something we aspire to? So that's the first thing. So that, that leads us to the quo. So how do we govern that? Typically, here's how it works. They give IT their budget. Here's your budget, IT, plunk. And then all the businesses go off and do their budgets. And this budget says, I'm going to raise revenue by $100 million. I'm going to open five new offices. I'm going to introduce three new products. I'm going to hire 1,000 more people. Guess what? Every single one of those top line or bottom line business goals involved IT spend. Somewhere, open an office, there's office equipment. Hire people, there's a thousand laptops and a thousand phones and the network to support them. I want to introduce a new product. Maybe there's a new call center I need to build. Where did you tell IT that? In most companies, you didn't. You said, here's what I need to hire people. Here's what I'm going to make. Here's the bottom line. And IT will figure it out 
in that 1.7% of sales budget that they got handed um, at the beginning of the process. So what happens then? The company puts in a governance model known as a steering committee. So a steering committee technically is everybody brings their projects to a forum. There's usually some gatekeeper, a project management office, collects all the requests, and then we use a magical algorithm to prioritize them. We vote or we do ROI calculations or NPV or IRR or whatever everybody likes, and we rank these things, one through 147. But let's talk about a couple of realities. First of all, every business unit wants what they need to do their job. Most people at the executive level don't come up with frivolous ways to waste money. They, they want something because that helps their business and they can tell you why. And so the idea of the company putting everything in one place and saying, we're gonna artificially constrain IT spending. That's like constraining the size of a balloon by squeezing it here. What happens? It extrudes out top and bottom. So what the, the negative effect of that is a couple of things. One, I'm a business and my goal is to hire a thousand people, but IT can't buy me a thousand laptops. So I don't hire a thousand people, don't hit my goals and everything falls apart. And so how many CEO, I'm uh, sorry, EVPs or business unit executives are okay with, oh, IT can't buy me a thousand laptops, cool. I just won't hit my number, won't get my bonus, we'll get fired, that's okay with me. I'll just blame IT. They don't do that. What do they do? They buy the laptops themselves. They hire contractors. They go to salesforce.com and say, here's my credit card. I'm doing a multi-million dollar project for a client. Um, we're putting in uh, SaaS ERP for them. And the in implementation partner says, okay, we got to start setting up your environment. Bring your credit card. And I said, I'm sorry, we're going to spend a couple of million bucks. I'm going to use a credit card to sign up? Yeah, that's how it works. Well, I called Microsoft and we're going to put it on the bill. But that's how people think. This was a company that does multi-million dollar implementations. And they started with, bring your credit card. No, but you can. And that's the problem. I speak as a CIO. The opportunity for the business is I can give a credit card and be up and running on CRM, SFA, ERP, maybe even EHR, electronic health records. I don't need those stinking IT people who keep telling me no. Well, guess what? Here's a, a revelation for all you business people. The IT people hate saying no. What they're telling you is they didn't give me the money. So here's what goes on. I'm a business unit executive. I have top line goals. I'm gonna make a billion dollars top line. Guess what? I got 4,000 people. IT has a staff of 200. If IT had three more people focused on what I need, my multi-thousand person organization with the billion dollar top line could succeed. So here we are arguing over the IT budget that's 1.7% of sales, when you might have 40% of the top line revenue and you don't get what you want. So when I describe it this way to a group of executives, they all look at me like, oh my God, because it never occurred to people. If you're the IT manager, your job is to manage your budget, be responsible. So here we go. I got a 1.7% of sales budget and I'm gonna have a draconian cut a draconian cut. I'm going to save 10% of the IT budget. That is 0.17% of sales I just saved the company. When you're doing the annual report, that is not a material number. You don't even report the difference. You probably spent that much when you had offices on Starbucks coffee. Now, ask yourself a different question. What if I gave IT 10% more? 
and said, spend it on transform and grow initiatives that the business wanted. There's a notion of leverage. If I invest a dollar over here, how much can I make for it? IT is a high leverage organization. So that's a great theory, but how do we put this in practice? How do we actually get down to making it work? And here's my thought for a first pass. I'm a business unit. I need IT. So I bring all my projects. So when I budget, I get with IT. If to do this project, I need a million dollars worth of IT. To do this one, I need $2 million worth of IT and so on. First of all, you present the budget together. So instead of them telling IT, here's your budget out of the box, we go to the business unit and say, what do you want? I need to hire a thousand people. I also need a million dollars of IT. And then we, we start by connecting a business outcome to an IT spend. That's pretty straightforward. And here's the magic part. Then we use those numbers to set the IT budget. We don't set it arbitrarily. We budget things like info security and the service desk and you know all the backroom plumbing, as you might call it. And that comes out of the IT director's budget or the CIO's budget. But all of the transform and grow initiatives at the business unit level can be paid for by giving the money to IT and earmarking it for business unit A or B or C for their project. So the idea is I'm a business unit manager. If I need 10 people to do my IT or I need 14 people, that's a discussion I, the business unit manager, should have with the CEO of the company. IT should tell me what it takes to do my projects. And maybe what I used to do when I was a CIO was I'd link arms with the business unit exec. We'd walk into the CEO and CFO together. The CEO would say, okay, how are you going to hit your goals, business exec? Business executive would say, I'm going to hire a thousand people, open five offices, and he's going to spend a million dollars. And they would look at me and go, is that right? And I'd go, hmm, hmm, hmm. We'd walk out friends. No steering committee. Because by the way, what a steering committee is, is an exercise in putting what they call 10 pounds in a five pound sack. It's an exercise in telling people, no, 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 you can't have it even though you need it because he needs it more. Um, that's central planning, communism, things like that. Why are we doing it today? And the IT director is perennially looking bad because they got to say no. And the business unit doesn't get what they want. And in the modern world, they go get it somewhere else which leads to shadow IT, which leads to audit problems, which leads to systems that don't talk. And so this is my plea, my annual plea to the CEO, to the qualified technology executive on the board, and to the uh, CFO, please fix your IT budgeting so that it connects to business reality. Wayne, there's, uh, you know, the really, really, Terrific. And anybody who's lived through some of these sort of things understands clearly what you're saying, right? You know, uh, your points about the IT folks don't want to say no to everything, but they they go into a lot of these situations with their hands tied. They, you know, I, I, I don't have that. And then by May or June, the company has run out of discretionary spend for IT, but everybody's got 15 different ideas, initiatives, and they're good ideas. But you're taking a 1800s model and trying to apply it here in the 21st century. It doesn't work. And Wayne, you know, I think you've uh, illuminated a couple things very clearly here. I'm going to come back to those in just a second, but first I want to be sure uh, to get a quick word in here from our sponsor BMC in a world that's changing faster than ever before. The biggest challenge for businesses today is creating fabulous customer experiences. That objective requires actionable insights and real-time agility from one end of your business to the other. At BMC, they call this the autonomous digital enterprise. 
and they've just put together a set of solutions to help you anticipate what's coming, adjust accordingly, and acknowledge those changes from end to end. To start your journey to the autonomous digital enterprise, visit bmc.com slash ADE. So Wayne, while the autonomous digital enterprise is something that's off in the future, you have hearkened back to some things, uh, these sort of vestigial processes or mindsets that come into the future here, like uh, the Central Planning and Communism Committee, right? It, you wouldn't allow that ever to happen in a business unit. Why is it allowed to exist here in IT? And also the point you made at the beginning of your discussion about budgeting is, you know, some outfit like Gartner says, well, in your industry, we find that the average IT spend is 1.7. So the CFO maybe says, I'll go 1.6. Why do you go in intentionally, as you said, aiming to be below average, you know? We're going to guarantee a subpar experience when every other part of the business is told to, you know, be exceptionally, be great, dazzle the customers, do wonderful things, you know, go beyond what we've done in the past. So it is, it is such a mindset here. And I wonder, I'd like to ask, do you think that some of the stuff we've all been going through around the world over the last five months, is this going to change perhaps the perception of what IT is capable of if it is governed properly, budgeted properly, and allowed to be a part of the business instead of just being, you know, some nagging cost center trailing behind. You know, I started in IT a long time ago when, when mainframes were the only game in town. And so when IT was the priesthood of the mainframe and you couldn't get, there was no magazine called Popular Computing back in the 1970s, right? It was the mainframes in the basement of Wall Street buildings. And so the world was very different than it is today, but so many of our processes didn't evolve. What I think is gonna happen, the pandemic is changing the world very, very quickly. I don't think it's doing things that we never would have done. It's accelerating many trends. The retail bankruptcies, we saw them coming. They just all happened at once. Um, malls being repurposed, construction changing, work from home. I think companies that are able to sense and respond more quickly to these unknowns, whether good or bad, are going to succeed. And a company that has a governance model that is the central planning, I dare say the communist model, the central planning model, versus a um, simultaneously loose and tight organization, that's a Tom Peters phrase. We need an organization that doesn't get us in trouble from Sarbanes-Oxley, from audit, from governance, but at the same time allows a business unit leader to move quickly in the direction that she or he, they are able to move in. And that means they've got to be able to marshal the resources they need. So, so Bob, it's a world where IT doesn't own all the resources. Um, in some CIO jobs I've had, I had probably 10% of the spend was sitting in my building. 80, 90% of it was either outside of the IT walls or outside of the company. So that leads to one more point, kind of how budgeting works. Why are we putting all the IT people in the IT department, especially now where I can work from, I'm, I'm forced to work from wherever I am. Why don't I assign my IT transform and, and uh, grow people to the business? So you're an IT person. I set your processes. Here's the tools you're gonna use. So let's say it's your BMC tools. That's our tool set. I give them to you. The business doesn't choose what language you program in. IT does. But meanwhile, the business thinks of you as being part of them. They're paying for you. The CIO gets to say how, and the business executive gets to say what. So think about that decision rule. 
what versus how. That keeps the control, but also builds in the flexibility. Organizations that can pivot away from the 18th century model of um, the assembly line, of decompose everything into its functional and have everything be repeatable, and, and focus on effectiveness rather than merely efficiency, mm -hmm. are going to come out over here at the end of this big transformation. The ones that can't are either going to descend into bankruptcy or just be bumping along at the bottom, and they're going to get acquired and dragged up there by companies that execute better. We are moving to a, a period of execution. We can plan and execute quicker than the other people. We will win in a world that's changing fast and chaotically. And that's the message for executives. Build a model that, lets, that gets out of the way of your business executives by letting them forge a correct bond with their IT support people, their partners, and get out of the corporate planning model and move into the flexible sense respond model. Yeah, Wayne, I'm glad you brought up that sense and respond point because I, I think as we as we close here, I wanted to let you get in sort of a final word about a couple of things, right? Because you talk about this co-location idea, which is, you know, it seems to me it's indispensable. Then the sense and respond. So a couple of things you get culturally, if you have all the IT teams sort of sit in the central IT group, not out within the businesses and we do that and then we're puzzled that the business units see the IT organization as outsiders mm -hmm. when actually, well, that, that's how you choose to live and function. So I think your, your co-location idea is right. And in the sense and respond world, in the execution world that you've described, that uh, how do you squeeze out all the latency between I send something outside, I respond quickly. Well, if again, you've got these layers to go through in a disconnected organization, it's going to be much more difficult to do that. So I think it's really intriguing and so urgent for today's times, what you're describing. Sense and respond is going to lead to better execution. It's going to lead to you know less latency. It's going to lead to better decisions happening more rapidly with more impact on the outside world rather than just you know sealed off in our various silos. I want to leave the audience with a concept they may not have heard about. It's not a business school concept. It, was, it came out of fighter pilot training in the 1950s. There's a gentleman named Colonel Boyd that invented a notion of the OODA loop, O-O-D-A. And he studied how people came back from fighter dogfights and said there are four steps in going to make a decision under stress. We observe. What did we just see? We orient. What does that mean? We saw X, what does that mean? The third one is decide, the D. We decide, then we act. And if you can execute your OODA loop faster than the other people, the adversary, you win. And he was doing it in the sense of dogfighting, but that applies equally well to a chaotic environment where things are changing fast. I observe, what am I seeing? Now, do I have a set of plans laid out? If I see X, I'm going to do Y. So how do we build the plans? If I see that company do that, how would I pivot? How would I respond? So if you've come up with your scenario planning, you're able to more quickly orient. When they do that, it probably means that's happening. Then what are my decision packages? Uh, in disaster planning in IT, if there's a hurricane coming, what do we do? Here's the plan. If the snow is falling on the roof, what do we do? If the power fails, what do we do? So having decisions kind of pre-laid out helps. And then the ability to go from decision to action is important as well. And that's where bringing IT close to the business is we can go from sense, the competitor did X or a market did Y or a customer asked for Z 
and we can go from observe to orient to decide to act more quickly than a company that has to go back through headquarters half a world away to have a committee have a meeting. So we've got to be, uh, OODA loop is not something they teach in business school, not where I went, but I use it all the time. And so I leave the audience with thinking about that. Maybe we'll talk more in detail about decision models another time. Yeah, and uh, uh, the, <laughs> it was so exciting, Wayne, hearing you talk about the OODA loop and what can happen there. And then you say, go back to somebody, to some committee for a meeting. It was like, oh, God, you know, so, but there are the choices, right? Very stark realities. You can pick this path, you can pick this one. And uh, whichever choices we happen to make, we will get the outcomes I think that we deserve, you know, from those. So, Wayne, from your uh, initial here overview of some really, really powerful, current, and relevant um, tools that people can use to communicate more effectively uh, in this world that we find ourselves here in, in, in mid to late 2020. It's wonderful. The budget stuff. I hope that by this time next year is the next round of budgeting comes up. Some folks will have listened and they'll have a, uh, a, a easier, less arduous, less painful budget process and a lot better business outcomes, I think. Let's have more OODA loops and less committee meetings. Sounds good for me. As a consultant, I certainly support the notion of putting in faster decision making because that's what people like me get brought in to help do. I'm the, I'm the opposite of the committee. I'm the person that can come in and say, try that. So personally, I like that idea, Bob. Perfect. Perfect. Wayne, it's always a pleasure. Wonderful stuff. And uh, I, I don't think anybody ever on any of our Cloud Wars Live episodes has covered a range of things as diverse and interesting and uh, timely and relevant as you did today. So thanks a lot, Wayne, as always. And again, always my pleasure. Look forward to doing it next time. And I say to the audience, if anybody has questions, if anybody has comments, if you want to see the rest of my toys, you disagree with something I said, you want to hear more about OODA loops, give me a call, reach me on Twitter, reach me through the Cloud Wars site. I'm happy to engage with people. Nobody argues with me. I hate it. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, Wayne, always great. And folks, thanks to all of you for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. Hope your summer's going well. Hope you're adjusting to things in the, the whatever the new normal or abnormal is around us. And we look forward very much to seeing you next time back here at Cloud Wars Live.